0: Let's talk about Revlon. In June of 2022, Revlon, the 90 year beauty giant, filed for bankruptcy. Is this an end of an era? Can they come back from this? Will some other conglomerate buy them and turn them into something else? Their future is in the air, but let's talk about what led them to this point and what led them to losing so much of their control of the beauty industry that they held for a close to a century. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of the Naya Beauty App. Welcome to Naya Unfiltered, where I bring topics for your consideration that are impactful, insightful, and informative. I hope that you find these episodes interesting or at least entertaining. Enjoy our show. So I started my research For this podcast. And I started with the history of Revlon and how and who started this beauty brand. And when Googling Revlon history, the first link that I saw was Revlon's website itself. I was confused to see that they're talking about the first milestone was the opening of the Red Door Salon by Elizabeth Arden. And I'm thinking, what does Elizabeth Arden have to do with Revlon? And I'm sitting here just trying to find out, did they meet? Did Is she like, did she was a partner? I have no idea. But then I come across in 2016, what actually happened is that Revlon acquired Elizabeth Arden and thereby they're able to incorporate a luxury brand into their catalog of products. And now that we have that cleared up, let's go back to the actual history of Revlon. Okay, so Revlon was created by two brothers, Charles and Joseph Revson. You guys are smart if you're asking. That sounds kind of like Revlon, but not quite. You're right. The reason why there is an L in Revlon, because there's actually a third founder. We don't hear about him a lot, but his name was Charles Lackman, who was a chemist. And I guess two against one, one out. And the majority of the name contained the brother's last name, Rev, and on. And they contributed the L from Lackman to form Revlon. Ta-da! Revlon was created in 1932, right smack dab in the middle of the Great Depression. What an odd time to, one, start a business, and two, start a business in marketing to women. But I digress. So they start this company with one product and one product only, and that is nail polish. I know, you'd think that it's lipstick, but it's not. But they are disrupting the beauty space by creating nail polish from pigment instead of dye. Okay, so let's go down a slight rabbit hole about nail polish and nail polish history. So nail art most likely began in India during the Bronze Age where people were applying henna to their body and so it was a natural extension to go to their nails. Then around 3000 BCE, it spreads to China as a varnish on nails. The varnish was a mixture of beeswax and flowers and other natural materials. Coloring one's nails spreads to Asia, Africa, and Egypt. Fast forward to the Renaissance era, people are starting to use designs on their nails like bejeweling their nails um, instead of denim. Then in the Victorian era, clear and tinted varnish Appeared. Jumping ahead to the 1920s, the automotive industry introduces automotive paint. Now you're asking, Thea, what does that have to do with nail polish? I thought we were talking about the history of nail polish. But check it out. A manicurist took that formula of automotive paint and adapted it to nails. And she just so happened to be working for the Revson brothers, and the brothers thought, this is genius. Let's take this and start a company. And there you go. Revlon was born with their first product, nail polish, which was an adaptation of automotive paint. So out of the brothers, Charles was the main salesperson. He would travel around the country introducing their nail polish to hair salons and tell people that their polish was chip proof, was way better than the other competitors. They had a wider array of colors. They were just better. And the company played dirty sometimes, so dirty that they would um, accidentally on purpose break the bottles of their competitors and they would offer to pay for the replacement, but the replacement had to be Revlon products. In fact, they would be so aggressive and play so dirty that they ended up getting a cease and desist on their business practices from their vendors because they were getting pressured to place their products in their salons. Beauty is personal and should be individualized. That's why I created the Naya Beauty app. Naya Beauty app allows one-on-one makeup tutorials with vetted makeup artists that are virtual. A user can have a virtual lesson with any of the professional makeup artists that are listed on the app. Just download the app and answer a brief questionnaire so that you can be matched with a Naya Pro and start learning this is the opportunity to ask all the questions you've wanted to ask your naya pro can even re-evaluate your makeup to help you refresh your look you can find the naya beauty app on your favorite app store download now to receive five dollars off your first session with these aggressive tactics, as you say. In the 1940s, they introduced lipstick, but they were very strategic with their lip colors. It wasn't just random lip colors. All of their lip shades coincide and match with their nail shades and their lipstick didn't smear when kissing. That was part of their marketing slogan. Just pure genius. Now, part of the popularity of Revlon was their shades. And the shades that they had is they had different types of red. Their reds were smoky and dark. Another thing was that their products were budget-friendly. And they sold to pharmacies and to department stores. So it was very accessible for the everyday woman. And due to their popularity, they became highly successful. They became a multi-million dollar company. And they even started creating makeup for the United States military during World War II very patriotic, by the way, Revlon was becoming a powerhouse and went on a buying spree of other brands. Some made sense, but some seemed completely random to me. Okay, so I can understand perfume. That's in the beauty industry wheelhouse, right? I can even understand buying chic the electric razor for men. I mean, that falls within men's grooming. That's beauty. You know, they bought it, they eventually sold it. Okay, get it. But the random purchases, how about a toilet bowl cleaner? okay, like what? Women's sportswear line, which they bought for 12 million, and then the next year they sold for a million. Don't understand that business sense, but okay, whatever. Foreshadowing. But the most bizarre is diabetes drugs, like Wait, what? Now you're going into pharmaceuticals? So you can see some of the random missteps along the way for Revlon. Now, like any growing company, in the 1950s and 1960s, Revlon starts to expand their footprint and begins distributing to other countries like Japan, France, Italy, Argentina, and Mexico. They're starting to become a global company, but in their global expansion, they are a little problematic. Instead of adapting and using the local models to represent those foreign countries, All the models were lily white Americans. I think it's safe to say problematic. Unlike other cosmetic brands, Revlon welcomed advertising and marketing. They were genius at this. You could even say that they helped invent the modern day influencer. They used supermodels to market their brand, and they even had an actress become a brand ambassador for them. Does that sound familiar? Okay, so let's jump to the 1970s. Revlon is making huge headways and stirring up controversy in their ad campaigns. Now for us today, it might not be such a huge thing, but they start showing women in, wait for it, pants. What has the world come to? huge controversy at the time not only that but they're becoming the first major beauty brand to use african-american models in their marketing campaigns and they don't just use magazines but also television ads which is unheard of at the time for beauty companies now here comes a totally random reference but pretty woman everyone has seen pretty woman now remember pretty woman and the hostile takeover segment the reason why this is important is because this is the road that's leading up to the bankruptcy filing And it's based upon many of the decisions made by the leadership of Revlon. Okay, now you're going to say, like, what does Pretty Woman have to do with this? Well, remember the character of Richard Gere and how he was not a very nice guy? And not for hiring a prostitute, but basically taking companies over when it's called a hostile takeover. Do you guys remember this? Well, that's what happened to Revlon. And all of this is you know, way above my pay grade, but I'm going to try to do like a quick recap. So we are all on the same page. In 1975, Charles Revson, the last remaining founder dies and the company gets new leadership. And in the 1980s, they continue to acquire other companies and diversify their holdings. Yet they're really leaning into the whole healthcare and pharmaceutical market. I mean, they even have contact lenses, but on the beauty side, they're starting to lose ground, and they're losing it to Estee Lauder and CoverGirl. Here's the quick rundown. Quick version. Ron Proman, who is an accomplished American financer, is the sole owner of Pantry Pride, a grocery store company which is part of his empire. He comes in and he says, hey, you know what? I want to buy Revlon. And Revlon is, no, we don't want you buying us. We want someone else to buy us. And there becomes a bidding war. But at the end of the day, he gets to buy Revlon. And he does this by using LBO, a leveraged buyout. What is a leveraged buyout? I didn't know either. I had to look it up. Here's a definition from James Stancil. Whenever a buyer lacks the requisite cash and has to borrow part of the purchase price against the target company's assets, like the receivables, equipment, inventory, future cash, that is a leveraged buyout. So basically what Ron does is I'm going to come in and buy you. I'm going to give you a little bit of cash, but then I'm going to get a loan and I'm going to get a loan using it against the future cash and future earnings of what Revlon is going to make, thereby saddling Revlon with a huge debt of $2.9 billion dollars. Okay, so I know that $2.9 billion, it is shocking. I mean, I totally agree. But I guess LBOs and leverage buyouts, it's a completely normal business practice that entrepreneurs use in order to buy a private business, okay? But here's the thing. This is one of the main reasons why Revlon has been led into bankruptcy today. By purchasing all of the shares of the company, Ron had essentially turned Revlon into a private company and had total control. Because he had such a huge debt to pay off, he started selling off some of the company's assets. But that wasn't enough. Remember, Ron was betting on Revlon's future sales to pay off his lenders. In 1990, Revlon had only about 11% of the cosmetic market and it could not compete against the other brands that were coming out. It didn't have the cash for advertising or marketing because it was using whatever cash it had to pay off that huge debt. So what did Ron Perlman do? He decided, a great way to get some easy cash was to take the company public by way of an IPO. An IPO is where a company is listed on the stock exchange for the first time and shares are available to the public to be purchased. Think like an IPO of Facebook or Uber. Ron Perlman Takes the company public in 1996 and he is flushed with cash that he needs to turn Revlon around. Now, with this cash, Revlon starts ramping up its image by having big ad spends and marketing. It's hiring big supermodels and actors to be spokespeople for their brand. They had Halle Berry, Cindy Crawford, and Emma Stone on their ads as models and ambassadors. It's also donating money to charities and holding celebrity studded events. They held a Revlon walk for women with breast and ovarian cancer, which saw celebrities like Oprah Winfrey attend. They were killing it in the late 90s to early 2000s. But things weren't all roses for Revlon. Now, what takes us down the path of Revlon filing for bankruptcy? It's not all about Revlon or the company's fault. A lot of critics are saying that it is based upon Ron Perlman and the business decisions that he made. So in the 90s, Revlon is killing it. Entering into the 2000s, Revlon is starting to lose their market share in the global beauty world to Estee Lauder, but they're also losing shelf space to Cody in the drugstore arena. So in 2013, Revlon decides to cut costs and pull out of China, and they lay off over a thousand people. And in order to catch up to Estee Lauder, in 2016, Revlon works out a deal to acquire Elizabeth Arden for a little over one billion dollars. Ron Perlman again takes out a loan. This time it's against his home, his boats, his paintings and other assets along with Revlon. He believed that this would give Revlon the cutting edge and diversify the brand by adding a prestige brand to their portfolio. Okay, let's just take a moment to quickly give the rundown on Elizabeth Arden. Okay, bear with me. Elizabeth Arden is not Elizabeth Arden. Sounds strange. Okay. Actually, her real name is Florence Nightingale Graham. Not to be confused with Florence Nightingale, the nurse. The name Elizabeth Arden is derived from practicality and inspiration. So, Elizabeth Arden, aka Florence, had a business partner named Elizabeth. And the business partnership did not last very long. And in order to save money on her salon signs, she kept the name Elizabeth. And then added Arden for the last name after she saw it at a farm. So then... Voila, you've got Elizabeth Arden. Elizabeth, aka Florence, opens up several salons in New York and all across Europe. A total of 41 salons across the world. They call her the original beauty influencer as she gave makeup tutorials. And, oh, that's right, she was a suffragette fighting for women's rights. Okay, so now... Back to present day. Elizabeth Arden is known for skincare and fragrance. I mean, not really makeup, but you will find her products at department stores and is considered a luxury prestige product. This move was met with raised eyebrows by the beauty world. Now, let me just tell you why. Critics believe that Ron Perlman has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't come from the beauty world. And there are those who think that he doesn't understand the beauty world at all. And that was evident from his purchase of Elizabeth Arden. Experts in the beauty world note that Elizabeth Arden, yes, is a prestige brand, but most of their sales and profits come from fragrance. When Revlon had an opportunity to go into fragrance and expand, they turned away from it. But here they are entering into the fragrance business around the time that retailers were reducing their fragrance catalog. So buying Elizabeth Arden did not give them the extra boost that they were anticipating. If anything, it added to their debt. Revlon and Pearlman had a lot of missteps that took them down the path to bankruptcy and purchasing Elizabeth Arden was misstep number one. Another misstep on the company's part is the lack of innovation. Back in the late 90s and the early 2000s, Revlon was on top of the world looking down. They were coming out with innovative products like Colorstay Longwear Makeup. To this day, it is still considered a staple product. Revlon is the OG for beauty. I mean, it is 90 years old, right? But then somewhere along the way, it just stopped being innovative and there were constant management changes and that leads changes in different directions for the company and loss of focus. So during this time, Revlon is trying to regain its footing as they continue to lose shelf space. I mean, it didn't help that new brands like Fenty Beauty and Kylie Cosmetics were coming out along with having to compete with staples like CoverGirl. They were making changes and revamping their products, trying to remain current and with the times, but not Revlon. Revlon was being threatened by competing brands, but the biggest threat was yet to come a little thing called COVID. You guys remember COVID, right? When COVID hits and the lockdown occurs, the entire beauty industry is hit hard—not just Revlon. Everyone is staying home and thinking about surviving, not the latest makeup trends. But when the lockdown eases and people start venturing out again and we're ready to be seen, another problem hits. Every industry across the board is hit with the supply chain crisis, and Revlon is feeling the pinch by not being able to stock the little remaining shelf space it had left. At this point, Revlon was so in the red that it had no choice but to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Although the company is blaming the supply chain issue, skeptics believe that problem started years ago. Critics say that bankruptcy was inevitable for Revlon. First, because Perlman doesn't know the beauty industry. Second, because they bought Elizabeth Arden. And third, because of a lack of innovation. All of these factors contributed to the downward spiral of Revlon. But the biggest mistake seems to be an obvious one. Now remember what Revlon was founded on? It was founded on one product, nail polish. And critics all agree 100% that the biggest mistake for Revlon was to ignore their nail division. During the lockdowns, everyone was into self-care and the nail industry did really well. That core product, which was the foundation of Revlon, was nowhere to be found in Revlon. And for all of these mistakes, critics say it was inevitable. It was obvious that Revlon was going down the tubes. Perlman is adamant and convinced that Revlon can be saved and is seeking protection from its creditors while it tries to reorganize and strategize how to save the brand. The name is iconic. It's almost a century old. It should be saved, but critics are skeptical that it can be saved under Perlman. And maybe the best thing is it should just be sold. Can you even imagine what Charles is thinking from the grave if Revlon goes away? I am hard pressed to think of any products made by Revlon that I have in my makeup drawer. I mean, honestly, I don't even know if I would miss it if they disappeared. That sounds horrible, I know, but it's the truth. That just shows you how relevant or irrelevant Revlon has become, and it's really sad because this company was based upon disruption and trying something new and staying relevant and being innovative. And all of that is gone. So the jury's still out right now. We don't know what is in store for Revlon. We don't know if it's going to be sold. We don't know if it's going to be closed. We don't know what Perlman is thinking right now. And that's why this episode is called The Rise and Possible Fall of Revlon because they just filed for bankruptcy protection in June, which is basically a month ago. So we really don't even know what they have in store. As soon as something comes out, I'll be sure to update you guys. But for now, thanks for joining me on the Rise and possible Fall of Revlon episode of Naya Unfiltered. You've been listening to me, your host, Thea Sanders. This episode was produced by Michaela Rogers. Be sure to turn on your notifications for future episode drops of Naya Unfiltered. And also, go and follow us on our social media pages at NayaBeautyApp on TikTok and Instagram. See you next time.